You're listening to Beyond the Measure, episode 23. Listen as I, a young composer, and my wife, a young choir director, interview other music educators in order to gain insight into their own success in the classroom. We have a lot to learn, and we want you to learn with us. No matter your age, ensemble, or experience, this is the ideal podcast for music educators, composers, and students alike. So join us as we go beyond the measure. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Measure, a podcast where we interview music educators in order to gain their insight and share that information with you so that you can have encouragement and other great ideas that you can implement into your own classroom. We have a very exciting guest on the show today. Um, If you are in the band world, especially, you've probably heard of him, especially in the small school band side of things. Uh, He is a composer named Luke McMillan. Uh, He's based here in Abilene. Luke McMillan is a composer, arranger, and designer for the marching arts. Luke has been writing music professionally since 2005 and has composed and arranged full-time since 2015. Luke's music is regularly heard at numerous competitive circuits, including BOA, U.S. bands, and multiple local and state-sanctioned events across the country. Luke's music has been played by several state marching band finalists and medalists around the country and has been described as achievable and fun for the performers and entertaining and engaging for the audience. Before becoming a full-time composer and arranger, Luke was as uh, Luke worked as a band director for 11 years at Wiley High School here in Abilene. During his time at Wiley, Luke designed the shows for and co-taught the Wiley Pure Gold Marching Band, which advanced to the state marching contest several times playing his music. Luke also directed the Symphonic Band, which earned Consistent Sweepstakes Awards, and the Wiley High School Jazz Band, which earned Best in Class Awards for most jazz festivals they attended. Luke is a 2003 graduate of the University of North Texas, holding a Bachelor of Music degree. While attending UNT, he played in the Marching Band, Concert Band, and Nationally Recognized Jazz Lab Bands. Luke lives and works here in Abilene. This is a very good conversation that Karen and I have with him. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Even if you're not in the band world, um, this is still going to be applicable to you because uh, he really talks a lot about um, basically how his goal as a composer is to provide value for music teachers, for educators, especially uh, teachers that might be in a scenario where they can't necessarily, uh, they don't necessarily have the resources and uh, the money that a lot of schools in the larger uh, cities have, especially down here in Texas where marching band is such a big and uh, many times uh, necessary uh, thing to have uh, in order to uh, to kind of uh, please administrators and stuff like that, even those uh, those that aren't in the music world. So, um, so I really enjoyed this conversation we both did, and especially for me as a composer, um, he's also got a really good business going, and so it was fun for me to learn more about that side as well. So this is going to be a great episode for both uh, music educators and composers alike. So uh, sit back and enjoy this episode with Luke McMillan. Well, Luke, thanks for taking time out of your morning today to, and part of out of your Saturday to be with us on the show today. We really appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So could you start just by telling us a little bit about yourself, um, kind of what you do uh, in the music world, and then we can kind of get into your story and how you got there. Sure. So uh, I own Luke McMillan Music Company. Uh, we are a, a publisher of marching band shows for high school marching bands all over the nation. Um, we primarily focus on, uh, small developing rural schools, 
Um, and that's mainly just because I, I got my start here in Abilene and most of the little towns around here, they're just smaller, uh, schools that, that need music that fits them. And I, after writing for a few years, that's just sort of the niche that I developed and, and I love it and I embrace it. And, um, it's, it's, it's been really fun. Uh, so yeah, we, we, um, we do just the music, by the way, we don't, we don't do the visual side, but we do music for, uh, uh, competitive high school marching band shows here in Texas and all over the nation. That's amazing. That's uh, something uh, maybe I'll someday try to dip my toe into, but uh, as anyone that's been listening for a while now knows that, you know, we both have definitely more of a choral background and I actually have some orchestra background as well, but band is definitely the one I'm least familiar with when it comes to writing. So we'll have to hold, have to, We'll have to have a whole separate conversation about writing for band sure. <laughs> at some point later. Sure. Um, and so then can you just tell us about, and you can get as specific as you want, you know, how did you just first come to do music initially? And then kind of what was your journey all the way through uh, to finally getting where you're at now? Sure. So, you know, one thing that's interesting, uh, especially after listening to some of other, your other episodes, most musicians come from musical families and yeah. I did not. Uh, mm. None of my family was musical at all. Uh, but at, from a very early age, I remember when I was five years old, I, uh, I got a little, uh, keyboard synthesizer, a little bitty small one. And I remember when I was like in kindergarten, I was, I would watch the wizard of Oz and I would pause it and like run to the keyboard and try to try to uh-huh. pick out somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> and so I, I, I played with that when I was a kid and my parents sort of knew that I was musical. And so that's what they got me that. And, and, um, then when, when it came time to be in band, I was like, of course I'm going to be in band. This, this sounds really fun. And so I started playing trumpet. And then when I got into middle school, um, I, I, was, I was somewhere and it came to my attention that there was another kid my age that was writing music. And I'm like, hold on. I thought you had to be dead to be a composer. Like, what, <laughs> like I, I thought composers, I thought you like wore white wigs and you, you were yeah. born in the 1700s. I thought that's what the prerequisites for being a composer. Right. <laughs> but no. So I, I started writing music, you know, just for fun. And I piddled around with some stuff in high school. And then in college I wrote for our you know basketball band and stuff like that. And, um, then when I got my first teaching job, um, I just, I offered to arrange the marching show and my boss at the time, who's still a really great friend of mine, he was dumb enough to say, sure, sounds good. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote my first marching show and and other schools around here were like, oh, cool. Can, can you do that for us? I'm like, yeah, I, I guess so. Sure. And um, then from there, I just started slowly but surely building a library. Um, you know, at, at that time, this is uh, like mid, uh, you know, probably like 2005, 2006, something like that. At the time, the marching band copyright licensing world was really uh, complicated to navigate. And so I wrote a bunch of original marching band shows, just original music. Mm-hmm. And so that afforded me the ability to um, yeah, post the scores on my website and post recordings, you know, whatever I wanted to do. And um, so I started developing a library of, of music and it's, it, it filled a need and that um, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of great stuff for, you know, because, you know, small marching bands that there's, you know, you could be marching, you know, half your band could be seventh and eighth graders, mm-hmm. if not more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in these, you know, one, a and two, a schools. And I mean, that's just a really unique skill set. If, if, if one year a kid is learning their instrument yeah. and then the next year or two, they're expected to march and play a, a competitive show on the field. <laughs> 
there, there's some pretty specific music that needs to be tailored mm-hmm. to to students like yeah. that. And so yeah. I, I just really enjoy uh, studying that and, and understanding what can make students like that successful. And uh, that's that's sort of what got me here. So yeah, that's amazing. And where, where did you say you went to school? Uh, I went to high school here at Abilene Wiley, mm-hmm. and then I uh, went to college at North Texas. And gotcha. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. One of the really cool things about what I think is is really advantageous about Abilene location wise, we, we were just talking about this before the interview, just in general, how Abilene is, there's a lot more of a musical scene than you would think at first glance, for one thing. But also, as far as location goes, you're, you're still... Because, you know, Texas is a big state. Anyone that doesn't know that. <laughs> uh, Texas is a very big state. And uh, where Abilene is located, Abilene is right. It's like just west of the central kind of the central section of Texas. And so you have on one side, you have all of West Texas, which is a lot of rural, you know, a lot of small towns, like kind of what you're talking about. But then just two hours east is, you know, Fort Worth and, and Waco and, and all those places. And so a lot of you yeah, still have a lot of big schools as well. And so you really have a lot of access to um, to see a variety of different um, scenarios and kind of how whether it's for band or choir or whatever, just how music is done in those areas. So right. And as far as my clientele, you know, this area is really a hotbed for marching bands, uh, specifically pertaining to my clientele, because one difference in Texas and other states that in, in our experience is in Texas, it doesn't matter how small the town, how small the school, there's probably going to be an expectation that you have a marching band, yeah. you take them to contest yeah. and, and you, and you do well and you represent the school well. Um, and so that, that's, that, that's sort of unique. And also, you know, like you said, just a location, you know, between here and, you know, West to Midland or East to Dallas, Fort Worth or North to Lubbock, like there are lots and lots of small, really great yeah. small, mm-hmm. uh, communities that support their bands uh, support their students, want to have a successful uh, program. And um, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a really cool area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last year I worked in Clyde and um, they definitely, I just got to saw, see the like community support, like their marching band and like Clyde has a fantastic marching band. Um, and so that's definitely, I've, I've definitely seen that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, you know, f- football is big in Texas, <laughs> and, yeah. and and um, you know, I I, I think maybe uh, because of that, I, I think you know, marching band gets you know we uh, also gets a really great amount of attention from uh, from that. And I think it's just I, I think you know people around here just really love their communities. You know, especially when it's a small town. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. People just really love their community, supporting the students in the community, supporting the town, and I I, just, I, I really love that vibe. One of my uh, favorite things is when I'll I'll drive through a town that I've written for, and they've put up a billboard like congratulating them Aww. on their on their you know, state marching band results or, oh, or something like cool. that. You know, cause I'll I, occasionally you know I'll, I'll see that, and, and it's just so cool to see that the support of the communities uh, with stuff like that. Yeah, that was something I had to get used to since I'm originally from Austin and I've I've always lived in kind of suburban areas really close to large cities growing up and so um I wasn't as used to that that sort of small town small towns are very passionate about, you know, the the football games for their high schools cuz 
I mean, that's kind of all there is, right? You know, <laughs> and so, uh, but but that's okay. Uh, and so when I moved to Abilene, you know, I made a lot of trips from Austin to Abilene, which that's like a three-hour drive, and it's a lot of ways just through country and small towns. And so I was not used to seeing like you drive under a bridge and someone had someone of like graffitied on the bridge like you know stop them you know bears or what you know like like I know the town you're talking about you're talking about Gulfway. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yes yeah and so and i was just like oh wow that's that's pretty cool that you know that's kind which Gulfway is a long time client of ours but by the way yeah really yeah, okay yeah, yeah. yeah that's amazing and, yeah. and so and i think it's it kind of puts into a really really good perspective on on how you're really offering such an important service uh, to the students and and those communities it really makes a big difference well i have a question was so you started just by yourself, right? Um, just composing music for marching bands. How did you grow um, your company into what it is now? Yeah, great question. Um, so yeah, y- you're right. It, it was just me. Um, I started writing uh, just as something to keep out of trouble during the summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I did that over the summers. And then that just that got to where... Um, you know, it was, I was starting in, you know, April and May and writing through the summer. Then it got to where I was starting in February, writing through the summer. And then eventually just got to where it was a year round. You know, as soon as one marching season's over, I'm talking to my clients, planning for the new one. I'm, you know, modifying existing shows to fit their instrumentation. It just became a, a year round thing. Um, and so I, I, I guess that sort of the first step in the story is, you know, I was a assistant band director at Wiley and um, it just got to the point to where, I, I had two full-time jobs, mm-hmm. you know, and I sort of had to decide, well, which one of these two jobs, you know, do I want to do? And, and honestly, I, I honestly considered just giving up the writing and, and just teaching um, because mm-hmm. I loved that. And I, I still, you know, there's aspects of it that I miss all the time. Um, and so, but I, I, just, I decided to do the one that, you know, flexible schedule, help uh, as many people as possible. So, I decided after 11 years I, I uh, teaching, I hung it up and I just did the composing thing full time. Um, part of my story that uh, that a lot of people know, at, at that time when I, um, in, in my writing career, there was another gentleman that was based in West Texas. Um, well, he was living in Colorado, but he, he sort of had his roots in West Texas that was doing a lot more writing than I was. Uh, he was a retired gentleman named, by the name of Barry Hurt. And, um, Barry was working with a lot more bands than I was. And at that time he said he was a retired band director and he told me, Hey, listen, Luke, I I don't like, I retired because I didn't want a job anymore. And this whole like arranging thing is turning into a job. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and and my kids wouldn't want to take this over. Is this something like, would you be interested in like buying my library of music? If I just, if I just wanted to just, just, just to, just to, you know, get out of it. And I said, yeah, sure, we can talk about that. And so that that process, it took a, about a year or two, but I ended up, um, uh, based on, on on Barry's request, I bought his library of music. And um, so uh, his his clients then at that point worked worked with us. And at that point, we we sort of started sharing when I when I when when that uh, purchase went through, it was cool because. We lots of people are like, well, I've been playing Barry Hurt shows for a couple of years. But maybe I'll look at one of yours, or like they might have played my shows. Like, oh, I never thought about looking at Barry Hurts, but I, I'll, I'll look. So it was a really great um, sort of synergy of of different ideas and and stuff like that. So, um, 
at at that point, um, we basically became by far and away the most major distributor of small school marching band music in Texas. Uh, this is, this is around 2016, 2017, something like that. Um, after that had a couple other writers that, that approached us and said, Hey, listen, I have some music. Could you, would you guys mind? Um, and it was sort of like a, uh, like, like a consignment type thing. Um, I didn't own their music, but some other writers came, came to us and, and we will, uh, we will distribute their music on their behalf around that same time too. I was getting to where just, just the administration uh, side of it, the, the invoicing and the contracts and all that stuff. And, and plus the writing, it was just getting to be a lot. And so I asked a good friend of mine um, who had actually just student taught with us at Wiley. Um, he had just graduated. He's a Harden Simmons grad, David Spruill. Uh, he's a Harden Simmons grad, played in cowboy band. Um, I asked him like, Hey man, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need some help eventually, especially when, when I, uh, when I, I get Barry's library, and so he helped me on a part-time basis. He, he, uh, did a few different things. Uh, he was actually the band director at Eula, a little community just in between here and Clyde. He was the band director there for a couple of years. And then, uh, once we got even busier, I talked him into like, Hey, could you come work for me full time? And so, uh, he, he left the, his job at Eula and, and he worked for me full time now and, and he has ever since then. And so, yeah, so now, now our team, uh, David and I are full time. Um, and then I have a, a couple of, uh, composers, arrangers that we distribute their music on their behalf. And then I have a couple of, we have a couple of contractors, um, that we will use to do some music edits here and there. Um, Christian, you mentioned that you, you're on Sibelius. Uh, I grew up on Finale and, um, anytime I've tried to use Sibelius, I come this close to throw my computer out the window just, <laughs> yeah. just because it's completely opposite. Yeah. You know, yep. if you know one, the other one just doesn't make any yes. sense. It's true. And it's true. so more often than not, it, it, sometimes in it, it all, all of Barry Hurt's music, uh, is on Sibelius. Oh. And oh. so if we have, if we have to crank on those or pop the hood and do something, then yeah. I'll usually get a, a friend of mine like, Hey, could you help us do some edits on this or, or whatever? So that's basically the, the, uh, the extent of, of our team and our staff. So. And so what is the, um, what does the process look like of, you know, there, let's say there's a small school band director that's listening to this right now. And I'm sure they've, they've probably heard of you. Um, and, and, but they're just not sure, well, maybe I might want to try to, you know, look into some shows from, from Luke McMillan. What, what's the process on that? Uh, honestly, it's, it's however they want to do it. Um, you know, a lot of our clients will come to our website they, they can go to our website and they can hear all of our shows from front to back. Um, they can't, some of the scores are online, some they, they'll contact us for them, but some will come and, and they'll do their own thing. They'll say, Hey, listen, I'd like to see a score to this show and this show. And then they'll come back later and say, okay, we want to do this one. It's like, okay, perfect. Sometimes they might come to us and say, Hey, listen, I'm sort of at a loss. I don't really know what to do. Um, I just took over this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no clue, uh, what I'm, what I'm inheriting here. Yeah. Um, what should I do? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Okay, let's get on the phone. Let's talk about this, you know, and and we will work with them, and we'll say, okay, hey, listen, how about let's let's try this, let's do, th- let's have this as a plan B. Once you see who shows up in August, you know, and and we can we can work very very hands on with our clients, and mm-hmm. you know, those are two ends of the spectrum, and everywhere in between, you know, I might have a client that says, hey, listen, I'm looking at these two shows. Which one do you think? Here's our instrumentation. Here's a video of what we did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, which one do you think would be a better fit? It's we we are a hundred percent here to help. And, um, just however that best fits for the band director, we're happy to, and sort of, I guess, to answer the question you were getting at, 
what advice would I have for, for a band director who maybe takes over a program? They're not sure what to do. Mm-hmm. Contact us. We can walk them through every step. We can give them suggestions. We can, you know, and not just on music, just, you know, just in general, what in the world do I do? How do I start the year? What, how do I, you yeah, know, we're, we're yeah. we, we have pretty much seen it all at this point and we're, we're happy to help, um, with, with, with anything. So. I want to I want to add in a point here that I think is super cool about what you're doing to to any any composers that might be listening to this is you're really showing that as a composer you're like you're not just a business and you're not just selling them something right you're actually trying to be a resource for educators um, and that's such an important thing that composers need to remember is like you can really provide and be there you know as a you know some somebody that's supporting educators and that really makes a big difference what what are some of the things that uh, and, and we don't, I mean, we don't have to go into specifics, but you know, you work with a lot of, you know, a lot of clients, a lot of small school bands. What are some of the more common, you know, issues that you see that they're having to deal with that, um, whether you're able to solve or not that you just see and that, that you, you would, you recommend, uh, what, what advice would you give to, to bands that are kind of going through that kind of stuff? Wow. What a great question. <laughs> that is a really great question. Um, so common issues that small bands, uh, deal with. Um, I, I would say the most common issue that I see with small bands is just, um, probably getting your kids to rehearsal <laughs> that, you know, that with, with, with small schools, you know, those, those students are so awesome because th- they are typically doing, um, uh, they're on the varsity football team. Yeah. They're the lead snare drum player. Yeah. Uh, they're sh- showing goats next weekend at, 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 at the yes. goat show. <laughs> um, they're they're uh, as soon as football is done, they're, they're the starting center on the basketball team. And as soon as that's mm-hmm. done, they're the pitcher on the baseball mm-hmm. team. Uh, and so they're, they're just doing everything. And so, you know, it's, it's sometimes it can be tricky, you know, uh, working all the, the, all the, all the scheduling out, you know, but, um, and I, like I said, I was never in that position. You know, I was an assistant at, at a, you know, fairly bigger school and, and my head guy that I worked for, he, he was very, very flexible. And I really think that's, that's really the name of the game is like, be flexible. You know, it, it only helps to have your coaches and your administrators love you. Mm. And so if you're saying, no, I'm, I, I'm going to have this kid from here to here. And if you don't, you know, that's not going to help anybody, yeah. you know? It's like, okay, cool. So you need, you need him until, until this time on Tuesday. Okay, cool. Maybe we could back up our rehearsal. Maybe we can move, move it 15 minutes later just to, you know, or, or, you know, well, I know I'm not going to have this kid for this time to this time. Okay. I should maybe not give that kid a solo. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should plan on somebody else, you know, playing the solo in the show, you know, so just, mm-hmm. just being flexible and, and trying to, trying to roll with, with, you know, the situation and flexibility, you know, stuff like that. Um, as far as like what what we see a lot, you know the 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 biggest issue, and that's why you know we're we're here to help. Um, I, I would say probably one of the biggest issues with any music educator is over programming, hmm. um, picking literature that's just right beyond the grasp, and you know it, it's a really delicate balance of like, okay, if I play this super easy music, number one, my kids are going to be bored out of their minds. Number mm-hmm. two. Um, they're not going to learn anything. They're not going to get any better, you know? Yeah. Um, but then on the other end of that spectrum, if you give them something that they just can't do and will never be able to do, they're frustrated. They're, you know, and, and the, you know, 
not that the achievement just isn't possible and your group sounds bad. And, you know, so that's just a really delicate mm-hmm. balance. And, you know, my advice always to young teachers, you know, I, I've said several times already, contact us and, and we'll help, you know, young music educators, it is imperative that they ask for help from other music educators around them. Yeah. And <clears throat> I, from my experience, other music educators are clamoring to help with stuff like that would, would be, would be ecstatic to help a young teacher, mm-hmm. uh, avoid mistakes that they've made. Yeah. And, and like I told you the other day, as a, as a fellow composer, you know, I would, I would be overjoyed to help you not make some of the several mistakes that I've made. Um, and so I think that's the same with, with educators, you know, uh, young teachers need to ask. And sometimes you'll see, you know, maybe young teachers just don't know that don't know that that's a possibility. And so they don't talk to anybody. And, but you know, music educators who have been around love helping with that. And, and I I would say that that's, that's one of the, one of the biggest things. Let us take a quick break real quick so I can tell you a little bit about this podcast's primary sponsor, which is Christian Fortner Music. That's right, my own music business. This is the primary platform that I use to sell my music, and you can uh, find it at www.christianfortner, that's F-O-R-T-N-E-R, music.com. Now, you may be thinking, oh, I don't know, this guy is a young composer. Does he really know what he's doing? Well, (laughs) to be honest, none of us composers really know what we're doing if if we're being completely honest with ourselves. But if you want to kind of get an idea of what my music might be like and if it might be a good fit for your ensemble, you can actually uh, get a free copy of music from me. That's right, a free piece of music. This isn't just a study score. This is a full score and parts that you can use for your ensemble to perform completely for free. And you can do that by signing up for my mailing list. So if you go to my website, Christian Fortner, that's F-O-R-T-N-E-R, music.com slash mailings, you can sign up for my mailing list right there and you'll get a link in your inbox where you can select a piece of music for either choir, string orchestra, or band. And I should also mention that the choir piece, it can be either an SAB, SA, or TB version. So uh, for any of you out there that are looking for SAB, SA, TB, specific voicings like that, then this might be a good opportunity for you. Uh, So yeah, that's about it. Again, if that's something you'd be interested in, just check it out on my website. And now we can get back to the episode. I want to ask about kind of a little bit more when you were making that switch from from being a teacher and you were kind of you were writing those shows and then you made that switch to okay I'm going to go into this full time you know what exactly did that really you know what did what did that look like and how did you you know how did you know that it was the right time or or, or that kind of as as all that was happening because for me as someone that's in you know a separate full-time job and i'm wanting to go into composition that's something i'm working towards but there might also be some teachers out there that have kind of maybe just started as like a hobby um kind of like what you did and they're starting to grow as well and so then they're starting to think oh well maybe i should consider doing this full-time if that's what i want to do as well kind of how does that you know what what advice do you have people in those sort of scenarios sure um I, I have had several friends and, and uh, who who have done this, and I think there is certainly something to be said about doing the scary thing, <laughs> take the leap, just like you know, just do it, and 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 everything will happen. Um, my case was a little bit different. Uh, I sort of lucked out 
in that I was sort of at the right place at the right time. Yeah. There was a major need for what I was doing. And, and when I left, um, it, it was, it was the obvious choice. Yeah. Uh, like teaching was, uh, was taking up the majority of my time for less income. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it was, it was really obvious for me at that time to, to make mm. that decision. Um, but I've had several friends who, you know, it was a giant leap of faith for them and they decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do it. And there have been things like that for me, uh, you know, hiring a full-time employee, Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It, at the time that was scary. It's like, well, what if I can't pay this person? What if, what if something happens? And, you know, yeah. th- there have definitely been several of those, but I have found that every major sort of leap that I've taken like that has, has paid off. And some of those in the form of this was a huge mistake, but mm-hmm. I learned from that mistake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I know what to do differently next time. You know, some of the leaps of faith have been like that. Um, but uh, no, for, 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 for the most part, I, I, I just think, you know, if, if you want to, if, if it's something that you want to do, um, the very first step is believing that it's possible. Mm-hmm. And as long as you conduct yourself in your life in in that way, then I think the right pieces will fall into place. Yeah. You cannot achieve what you cannot believe. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing with that too, I feel like is um, even if you you do make that leap and maybe it doesn't work out the way you wanted and for some reason you find yourself in a position where you have to go back to getting a you know a full-time job or even a part-time job or something like that that's that's totally okay and i honestly think it would look even <clears throat> it would even look good when you're you know you walk into an interview and they say well what are you doing before this well i i took a step of faith and i tried doing uh, creating a resource for people. And I think that still, that still looks yeah, really good uh, to, to people that are, that are looking to hire you. So, so it, it really works out for sure. Yeah. So another question that there might be, might be in the heads of, of some small school, uh, you know, band directors are out there, you know, obviously there are so many bands in, in the world, especially in, you know, the small ones. And, and maybe a lot of them, they, I'm sure there's a lot of people that they're in a situation where they feel like, well, we're so we're we're such a small school and we're out here in the middle of nowhere. And 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 so maybe they look at, you know, you know, a really successful composer like you that's doing this stuff and they think, well, it'd, it'd be nice to go and try to get a show from them. But but I don't even know if they would even have time for me. <laughs> right. Like, what, what would you say to, to people that that are maybe unsure about even even taking that step and asking about, you know, how can I even get a show going? Yeah, sure. Well, so first of all, the majority of our clients come to us looking for a show that's already done. Mm. Um, it's like, I'll only write like eight to 10 brand new shows a year. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of our clients will come to us looking for a show that's already done. Um, now we, we, for the shows that are already done, we will customize those. You know, if they say, Hey, listen, this, this has a trumpet solo, but we actually, I have an all state alto sax player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We can change it. This was written for four bass drums. We only have three. Yeah. sounds great. Uh, this has a synth part, but we don't, we won't have a synth in the pit. Okay, cool. Yeah, I can cut it out. Mm. Uh, this, <clears throat> um, this shows like, it's like six minutes and 45 seconds, but we typically like to stay around six fifteen. Could you cut 30 seconds out? Yeah, sure. So we will, we, we will customize those. And, <clears throat> uh, so, w- you know, and, and we basically have unlimited capabilities to, to help bands like that. Um, 
as far as, you know, if, if you find a show that you like and, you know, you just need a couple of tweaks here and there, uh, we, we are always able to help bands like that. And, you know, small bands, the, the budgets can vary mm-hmm. greatly um, as far as what their capabilities are. But I mean, we always tell our clients, hey, listen, we, we only work with small school bands that, that small school marching mm-hmm. bands. That is the only, so we, we've seen all the different budgets. We, we, yeah. we can, we can help you with, with whatever you need. And, and so no, I mean, there, there's not a band that's too small or, or too in the middle of nowhere or, or mm-hmm. anything. Um, we, we have seen some, some of the most extreme situations and, and our, our goal is to, to help everybody. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. And one thing you told me the other day when we were talking on the phone and I didn't, I knew this happened, but I didn't, I didn't realize this was kind of what you're doing was, was kind of unusual year, a few years ago. Um, cause you know, both, I mean, me and Kara, we come from, you know, I'm from Austin, she's from Fort Worth, huge marching band programs. And you were talking about how, you know, every year they have their own, brand new shows created for them, you know, with, you know, people that that's what they do. Right. Um, and, and you were saying that that's, I mean, obviously that's just not doable for a lot of, a lot of small schools. And I just, I never made that connection that that's have having pre-made shows just available for people to have, like that was a new thing. So yeah. I think that's a really cool example of how you've kind of innovated the kind of how that works and everything. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But, like you said, most m- most big competitive bands that are you know going to the five A six A state marching contest, UL state marching contest, or going to BOA Grand Nationals in Indianapolis, you know that, that they they are having brand new shows every single year designed for just this year. You know they their job is to just wow the judges like oh man I've never seen anything like this before. You know, mm-hmm. um, whereas in the w- with with the smaller schools it's it's more about just cleanliness mm-hmm. clarity. Um, and yeah, not too long ago, they were, you know, kind of like Kara, when you buy music, you know, you buy, it's already done. It's, Mm -hmm. it's on the shelf, you know, but at the same time, we're, we're sort of in between that because like, if you were to like, I'm assuming you get your music from JW Pepper or, you know, if you were to call Pepper and say, Hey, so the Sopranos are a little bit too high on this. And (laughs) could you combine the tenor? They'd be like, they, they, they hang up on you. Um, but whereas for us, we wouldn't be like, no, 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 like, let's talk about it. Let's t- yeah. tell me about it. What, what's, what, what exactly is going on? So I, I think we found a really great mix of like, okay, this show was designed for a small school marching band, just like you. And if, if it's sort of close, then, then we can, we can customize it to where it's an exact fit for, for what you're doing. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. And I think, I feel like that's an aspect of of the industry that might be slowly, I think it is slowly changing, um, especially now that we are in a world where it's so much easier to connect with the, the composers and the, and the arrangers. And, um, and also on top of that for individuals to start like kind of making those adjustments to music, it's just, it really just requires so much more communication because it's possible on, you know, those different possibilities. Um, I just saw in like last week, there was like an article from ACDA and they had, they had interviewed, um, Reginald Wright and Laura Farnell, um, two choral composers. And one of the questions, I thought this was a great question is they asked them, well, what would you say to people that might are, that are looking to like transpose your music, like a few steps for their ensemble or one of the voices, something like that. And, and, and both of them said, oh, I think that's, 
I want you to be able to do that. I want yeah. my music to be as accessible to you as possible. Um, and I, one of them even said, uh, yeah, that'd be great. And, and actually, I'd hope you'd, you'd actually ask me just so I, I know that that's a need and I can, I'd love to do that for mm-hmm. you. So, um, I, and, and that's something that I've always been open to. Um, and, and, and I've, um, I've assisted some people that were needing those that done on, on other pieces of music as well. And, and so, um, that's something that I'm curious to see how it, hopefully I think we are kind of continuing to kind of get a better, a uh, little more flexible, uh, mindset, I, I think going forward, hopefully. <laughs> sure. I, you said something really important and, and that is when, when the, when the composer said, well, I, I'd actually hope that you let me do it. Yeah. So I, I have several opinions about that. N- number one, you know, my clients will ask me a lot of times like, Hey, could you send me a finale file? So we, it's like, I'm like, well, yeah, I can, but how about you just tell me what you need? Yeah. yeah. A, a, a couple of reasons. Number one, you have got so much on your plate. Mm-hmm. Why are uh-huh. you in your office jacking <laughs> around with a, with a finale file? Like, no, no, no. Tell me what your problem is. I guarantee, I, and sometimes I'll actually say this, I guarantee you I am way faster at finale than you are. <laughs> like, tell me what you need. I can solve your problem for you so mm-hmm. you can get back to doing what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. You know? um, but also, it's a great learning experience for me. That is probably, so I, I asked a, a prominent composer a few years ago, I, I, you know, I was looking at, you know, how do I get better, all this kind of stuff. I was sort of considering maybe getting a master's in composition. Mm-hmm. And this one composer said, you know what? The best learning experience for me is like hearing my music live. Yep. He's like, go and hear your music live as much as you mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably been the second best learning experience for me. The number one best learning experience is when my clients call me and say, listen, this isn't working. We need, we need to change this. Okay, yep. well, what's going on? Well, this is, just isn't this isn't doable at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, man, I never, I never thought about that. You know? And so he, getting that feedback... Um, from my clients, you know, I've, 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 I might've had a phone call seven years ago that I don't remember now, but I, I'm still implementing things mm-hmm. like, Oh, nope, never going to do that again. Well, why don't you do that? Oh, I don't remember. Well, it's cause I had a, had a phone call <laughs> seven years ago. This guy's like, listen, this is never going to happen that you need, you know, yeah. um, but also playing my music uh, or hearing my music played live, you know, as far as like ranges, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was just at a clinic just a couple months ago. And I was like, ooh, I shouldn't write tenor saxes that low in, in this, <laughs> this style. You know, it's like, I, I should have done this instead, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that feedback from clients of like, you know, hey, listen, we need this change and this is why we need it changed. Huh, okay, interesting. I'll keep that in mind for the future. So, Yeah, it, there is something to be said about, and this is going to, this opens a whole other can of worms for another time, but that whole discussion about, well, you could, you could spend two years at, at school in a classroom taking notes or you could spend two years in other people's classrooms hearing your music done, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're able to, but um, obviously there's a lot more, you know, special minutia within yeah, yeah. that. It's not that easily said, but yeah. um, so kind of going off of that. So then my next question for you is what would you say to teachers that have students in their ensembles that have expressed interest in composition or they are writing music kind of like, how you started writing music when you were a teacher and they're starting to ask questions about, um, about composition and they're wanting to find more opportunities for that. What would you, what advice would you give to them? Man, I get this question all the time. And again, like just do it, go to muse score. It's free. Uh, you can hear it played back, put something in. If it sounds good, great. If not change something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then if that sounds good, great. If it still doesn't sound good, change something. And I mean, there, there, there's no rules. It's like, yep. like jazz improv, you know, just <laughs> yeah. like there, there's no wrong notes. There's mm-hmm. no rules. 
do what you like, do what you think sounds good, mm-hmm. um, and 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 just try to hear it played live. If you put in the music score and you like it, you wrote this little trumpet duet. Cool, print it off, pass it out to your friends. L- yep. Listen to it, see how it sounds. Um, I mean, I can remember, I can remember in college basketball band, I wrote something. And just put it in a stupid key. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. B minor, B major. I forgot what it was. But I passed it out and immediately it was like, oh, that was the worst mistake of my Uh-oh. life. <laughs> yeah. And so immediately, no, no, no. And then like I did a new version, came back, okay, yep. now now we're in G minor. How about this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, no, just, just passing it out, seeing what mistakes you make. Hey, so we can't play this note. That's too low for our instrument. Oh, really? Oh, oops. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just, exactly. Just stuff like that. Uh, just do it and, and and go for it. Yeah, and and to the teachers, like like please encourage that to 100%. to your students. When I, I can't remember if I've shared this before on the podcast, but one of the biggest reasons I was able to I, one of the biggest steps that I took was when I was in my high school choir and I wanted to enter this composition contest in Austin and I was using MuseScore but they were needing it like in Sibelius in a Sibelius file keep in mind I'd never even I'd barely even used Sibelius before and I um I hadn't even written like a full orchestra piece before, but it was for like full symphony orchestra. And, and I asked my choir directors and I was like, I was like, um, yeah, so I was kind of wanting to try entering this contest and it has to be on Sibelius and the computer in the choir room at Sibelius, would it be okay? If, yes, of <laughs> course, please yeah. stay yeah. after school, work yeah. on it. Like, like yeah. they were so encouraging of yeah. that, like, yeah. like immediate. And, yeah. and so that's what I did as I just stayed after school and worked on that little piece. And, <laughs> and, uh, I have still never released it to the world because <laughs> it was one of those first ones that I don't know if I will, but, um, but that was such an important thing for me to just to have that opportunity to first to, to even work on music. Um, uh, and then again, just to have, you know, an ensemble there to, to work with if I wanted to. Um, just while we're on that subject, shameless plug, um, you mentioned MuseScore for any any young listeners that are interested in composition. MuseScore just released their newest version. It's now MuseScore 4. And they completely redid the sounds, like the sound samples on there. And they sound so much better wow. than they used to. So anyways, just kind of a fun fact there. Choral so or orchestral or what, what specifically? Uh, um, I didn't hear the choral sounds, but I heard all the orchestral ones mm-hmm. and, and, and like the piano and it, it sounds so much better, obviously never going to be perfect, but yeah. again, a huge difference compared to what they used to be. So Great. anybody out, out there looking for free <laughs> music resources, MuseScore is just getting better each year. So. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> never used MuseScore just because I've been on finale for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've seen and heard great things. It seemed, you know, yeah. uh, Seems like a lot of people like it, and especially, I mean, it's still free, right? Yep, like, it's still free, and, and that is how I originally started before I even mm-hmm. had Sibelius, so yeah. it's very important for sure. Mm-hmm. You said that you write like eight to twelve or eight to ten like compositions a year. Mm-hmm. What does that process look like? Yeah, great question. Um, so I'm actually really fortunate now because there there is. Um, just like about, you know, 15, 20 years ago or so, there wasn't really a such thing as custom marching band arrangers, mm-hmm. like to the mm-hmm. extent as it is now. Another thing that didn't exist uh, in, in such a wide scope, even like 10 years ago or so, uh, well, I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I can't really speak I, as far as like my experience of working with them. But th- there is a, you know, just just designing a marching band show is a 
major, major process. Yeah. Now, now for my clientele, it isn't as major as, as some of the other ones, but, um, you know, like LD Bell is going to the Texas state marching contest and they're going to, you know, BOA grand nationals in Indianapolis pretty, pretty frequently. Um, for a band like that, <clears throat> it will usually start with a person called the program designer or maybe program coordinator. And that's basically the architect of the entire show. They will usually design uh, the visual color palette as far as like the props, the colors, uh, the, the, the flags, the guard costumes. And in a lot of cases, they'll also map out the, some of the music choices too. So uh, for the past several years, I've worked with a program designer that, that I, I work with a lot. And we will say, Hey, listen, so there's, what about doing, you know, this type of show, this type of theme? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, 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 let's, let's, let's look, let's look into that. Let's do that. And so he will then get lots of source material, you know, the, the music that we're going to arrange, whether it be orchestral stuff, pop stuff, movie scores, mm-hmm. uh, uh, classical music, whatever. And he'll say, yeah. So for the first, like build an impact, I'm thinking about maybe doing this. And like, he'll send me another YouTube link. Like, what if we did this for, and so, I'll work with him on like basically orchestrate, like, like mapping out the entire show. Mm-hmm. And at which point we'll say, and, and, and there might be very specific thing. Okay. The, the, this part is definitely this. Now the ballad here, are, here are some choices. You can either do this or this, whatever you're sort of feeling, you know? And so I love doing that because for me, the blank canvas is extremely intimidating. Yeah, I used to do that. 10 years ago, I open up a blank finale document. <laughs> hmm, what should I do? <laughs> and that usually does, that's hard. That's really hard. Oh, yeah. But if I open up a, a brand new score, brand new template, and I know exactly what the next six and a half minutes of music are going to be, so much easier. Hmm. I, I, I tell my clients all the time, a coloring book is way easier than a blank canvas mm-hmm. yeah, for me. Wow. And, and so... Uh, that, that is, uh, these days, that is a hundred percent how, how that, how that starts, uh, with a program designer working with him on, you know, what music we're doing, where it's going to go all that. And we, and we take lots of things into account, um, copyright licensing prices, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, uh, pacing is the tempo going to work, you know, uh, with, with marching, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. So that, that, that is how that process starts, uh, with a, with a program coordinator. And my job is a little bit unique, you know, compared to yours, Christian. Um, there's a really great documentary series uh, on Netflix about design. And one mm-hmm. of my favorite episodes, they interview Tinker Hatfield, who's one of the original uh, designers of the, uh, of the Air Jordan sneakers. Oh, yeah. And he... He said this thing, and I had to rewind this, and I've since watched this little this little segment of this documentary several times. He draws a distinction between art and design. He says, now, for an artist, creating art is the ultimate form of self-expression. This is something that, that they think is cool, that, that they want to listen to or look at, and they, it, it's, mm-hmm. they're, they're expressing themselves in the highest form. Design, now... There is art in design, but when you are designing something, you're making it look cool on somebody else. Hmm. You're making it sound good for somebody else. Hmm. And 
you're not expressing yourself. You're, you're designing a tool for someone to be the best version of themselves. And that is a hundred percent how I view my job. I am, I am designing a tool, not unlike someone designs a power tool or uh, someone designs a, a running shoe or a tennis racket or, you know, something like that. I'm designing a tool for this person to be, or this mm-hmm. group of kids to be the best versions of themselves as, as they can. That is such a good illustration um, because you, you see a lot of, with composers, I, I think you see a lot of that discussion of, <clears throat> well, well, that conversation of, okay, what is, what is going to be accessible to this ensemble and making it fit, right? Versus, well, what can, how can this be in its truest form? And, you know, it, it has to have this super special instrumentation or whatever, right? And there's a place for, for both of those. Um, and I, it, early on, you really have to, or maybe not necessarily early on, but eventually you, you have to make the decision of, well, which category, maybe it can't be both. Sometimes it can, right? It can fit in the design and the, the art category, 100%, 100%. but, but a lot of times it, it can't. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times I'll finish a piece, um, or I'll be working on a piece and I'm realizing, okay, well, I'm definitely going into the art category, <laughs> right? This isn't going to be as accessible to some people. So I can keep going down that path or maybe it's good to go ahead and finish off that way. And then you really have to think about, okay, well, what, what is most important to me for, what is this for? Is this just for myself or is this, or do I want this to be for other people? Um, and that's kind of where you have to decide, well, where, where can I make adjustments? Maybe make it more designed as a tool for other people. And there are really really beneficial things for both. Uh, and I think I've said this before, you know, in college, uh, and, and I think it's good that you, you really use that time to, you know, as a composer to, to find your voice and your writing style and and you're just creating art, right? Um, and you're learning about different kinds of art and the different techniques and everything. But now, now that I'm out of school and, and I really want to get, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working a lot on making it accessible. Now it I have much more of the thought of the design side of things. And, you know, how can I make this work? And at first... I, to me, it was kind of like, oh, but I really just want to, you know, I want to be exactly how I originally heard it and express myself, which which I can still do. But but in a weird way, it almost brings more fulfillment to know that, okay, well, I'm doing this more than just for myself. And there's there's going to be a kid out there someday that's going to be able to play this, and, you know, because of the changes I'm making now. And I think that really puts a whole new spin on the value of, of what you're doing as a composer. 100%. Um yeah, my, my goal when I'm writing is, you know, I want to I want to make this just as clear as possible and to where I want the compliment to this band director to be I don't want them I don't want somebody to say, "Man, those were really great arrangements. Who did those arrangements?" Yeah. I want somebody to come up and say, "This is the best your band has ever sounded. I've mm. never heard your band sound that great that good before." That way that my version of it is completely transparent and there's no distractions of like, oh, there was this really cool slide whistle thing. It's like, yeah. well, no, like just, you know, like I, I just want to get out of the way. My, that's not only music design, but, but I'm really passionate about just visual design, typography design, things that, you know, just, you don't really notice the design. Um, you, you notice the message, you know, and, uh, that, that's, that's sort of my, my design philosophy. Um, a a brief nerd out, uh, 
time. I have, I have uh, posters in my studio of my favorite typeface, which is Helvetica. And yeah. there's actually a documentary about Helvetica. Really? The, the, I'm familiar. The, I've used it before. I'm familiar the, with it. The, the, the typeface. And it was designed to be just the most simple, clear typeface to where, you know, you get into others like, you know, uh, Papyrus and Comic mm-hmm. Sans. And it's like, there's a lot of attention drawn to the typeface, whereas Helvetica's goal, like you don't even notice that there's letters there. You you mm-hmm. read the message, you know, and that's sort of my design philosophy, you know, yeah. just like get, get, get out of the way, make it as simple and clear as, as, as possible. And that that's going to help the the performer. Yeah, for sure. I think that's why I use um, in my scores. I use Avener, Avener. I don't know how you say it, but it's another one of those kind of similar, very simple, very simple. um, And and yeah, that that's really appealing for sure. (laughs) Very cool. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we wrap up? Not that I can think of, uh, other than um, I'm I'm available to help to for for you and any of your listeners if if I can help in any way with. Uh, composition or music ed questions or, you know, anything like that. Uh, we're, we're always available to help in any way that we can. Yeah. Um, uh, just, just Google my name. You can find my website and, and, and contact us. And mm-hmm. um, we're, we're always glad to help no matter what that might look like. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we'll have all of your, your social media and your website linked in, in the description of this episode. Um yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, Luke, thank you so much for being on the show with us. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks yeah. for having me. And if you're listening, uh, be sure to follow Beyond the Measure on social media. Our Instagram is, it's beyond dot. Dot the dot measure. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Beyond dot the dot measure. All together was already taken, I guess. <laughs> all together was already taken. Or it looks too jumbled. Perfect. So follow us on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review on whichever platform you are listening on that'd be very beneficial to us thank you so much for listening everybody see you later